they called him the Hammer. That was his nickname. He used to, you know, he used to put a lot of seats, people in the seats, apparently, because as soon as they dropped the puck, he'd just grab somebody and start feeding them, you know. And he was drunk on the ice a lot, is the stories I hear. You know, he'd put a 40 down before the game. They'd go out, drop the puck, and he'd just go toe-to-toe -to -toe with somebody. And apparently he wasn't a very good fighter. He got beat a lot, but the crowd used to love it. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to highly anticipated episode 23 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Johnny Cullen, uh, joined always by my co-host Dwayne Steinella. And Dwayne, do we have a doozy here? We are joined by staff writer at The Athletic, Harmon Dial. Uh, Harmon, thanks again for joining us here, buddy. Thanks again for having me and uh, one, one hell of an intro to walk into. So thank you for that. Fucking rights. We are also joined by two members of Trainwreck Sports. We'll start here with the funnel guy. And I'll tell you what, this is a pleasure for me. The man, the myth, the legend. How you doing, brother? I'm not doing too bad. Dwayne's been doing so much shit with us. It was it was only right. I had to get on here sooner rather than later. Had to do it. As we like to say around here, we're always uh, willing to lend a helping hand. And you could take that as you will. Um, I took it to a dark place because I'm a psychopath. Um, no, all love, all love. And also from Trainwreck Sports, Zachary Sheldon, the maniac. Um, big fan of, of both of what you guys do. I've been following you guys forever, so... Love, love what you guys have been doing with Dwayne. I follow all that stuff, and pleasure to have you on. Um, Zachary Sheldon, the maniac, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. Coley, if you want to be a psychopath, embrace, embrace your inner self, man. Let's go. Hockey's almost back. It's time to get crazy. Fucking right. I love it. All I need now is to grow back out my mullet. Uh, Cully's mully was a thing of beauty. As Doug Gilmore once told me, it was the best thing about me. So I'm going to hold on to that forever. It's yeah, it definitely wasn't off. what you were doing between the pipes, that's for sure. Definitely <laughs> not. Too many uh, five-hole goals there, and uh, P.K. Subin made me his personal bitch on multiple occasions. Um, alongside Tyler Toffoli, he had quite a, a good run at me there in the, in the Eastern Division, uh, a name that, Harmon, you're quite familiar with now. Yeah, he's been, he's been ripping it up ever since he uh, came over for a 10-game stint uh, with the Canucks, and um, obviously the team's – trying to make a real hard run at, uh, at trying to re-sign him. And uh, they think the world of him right now. Now, I wanted to ask, open this up to, to, to you guys, uh, the Buffalo crew. I looked at Toffoli, a couple of these trade deadlines, and I love the move Vancouver made. What are your guys' thoughts as somebody that he could have fit in well here? And, and doesn't that kind of make you fucking grit your teeth, boys, that we had such indecision at the GM position that 
a player like that, like Harmon, what did you guys give up for him? Was it a first round pick? It was uh, a second and uh, a, a good prospect in, in Tyler Madden. So it wasn't cheap. Yeah. Okay. But boys, uh, like Buffalo guys, like what are your thoughts on that? Would you have been willing to give up a second and a good prospect? Obviously not um, Dylan Cousins, but, you know, what are your guys' thoughts there? I, I thought Toffoli would have been a great fit here. Oh, my God. I love I was going to say hand Risto over to give them Risto in a second or something like that, maybe even Risto in a first. I definitely would have made that kind of move. But how many times have we seen it in the past decade where there are good players that are in the free agency market and they just blow past us? How many no trade? How many, how many people's no trade list do you think we're on? Come on, let's be honest. I, I think that number's higher than I would like it to be. I, I, that's, you know, that's the transparency I'd love to see. And, Harmon, you guys have some, some of that insight with uh, some of your anonymous player polls. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? That's a great question. How many – what's the percentage of uh, players that have us on their no trade? Yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting. Um, I, think, uh, I think it's definitely – Buffalo is definitely up there. Uh, but then having said that, I mean, how many players have that type of no move or, or, or no trade protection? I mean, you look at, uh, for instance, you bring up the Toffoli example. Um, he, he didn't have any trade production, protection. Uh, the risk in, in having uh, acquired him at the deadline, of course, is what happens if he doesn't want to resign. Because then it's a situation of you paid a, a pretty hefty price uh, for a rental. Um, and in Vancouver's case, it would have just been 10 games in, in the playing series. And uh, if you're not uh, a cup contending team, then I think that's, uh, that's perhaps an ill-advised gamble. And I think uh, if, you're, if you're looking to acquire a player of that caliber, you're almost better off trying to target him in free agency if, uh, if you aren't ready to compete yet. Now, uh, ha now Harmon, uh, you know, obviously high risk. Um, I, I guess was was the risk worth the reward, it's especially you know if you if you do resign him because like you said it, it's not like you didn't it's not like you didn't give up a lot to get this guy. Um, do you do you, do you do you see them resigning him? And um, you know in, in the end, do you think what what Vancouver did give up for him is worth you know worth what you're getting out of Tyler Toffoli? Right. So my analysis at the time of the trade was. Um, I really love Toffoli first and foremost. I remember writing an article last summer about um, both him and JT Miller as, as, uh, as potential trade targets for the Canucks up front. Uh, and, and so love the player. My question at the time was, okay, if, if you're not able to resign him, this is a hefty price, again, to pay in a year where you're not going to realistically make a, make a run at the cup. Uh, so for, for me, that was my take was essentially a lot of this is going to boil down to whether you can uh, get him on a reasonable extension. And um, I can say with certainty that he's a top priority for Vancouver. They're going to make every effort to sign him. Obviously, uh, for, from Toffoli's perspective, uh, he, had a, he had a cushy spot next to Elias Pettersson, clicked right away. Uh, guys in the locker room loved him. Um, and the city is obviously beautiful, so a lot of things went well there, but he ha he'll have a lot of options in, in free agency, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. I think if they re-sign him, that uh, if he can be sort of this consistent 50-point guy, then, then I think it's worth it, given where the Canucks are and, and how they're trying to accelerate their rebuild. Uh, but if not, then, then I think it is going to be a, it, it, it's a gamble that I probably, I mean, you could have used those same assets to say, try and get rid of Louis Erickson's contract, for example. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, so you kind of have to weigh the opportunity cost. Uh, but again, I think it all comes down to, can you extend him or not? 
I just want to say, I, I hope our guy, Kevin Adams, our new guy here in Buffalo, I hope he's active. I hope he's constantly testing the waters. I don't think, I mean, obviously he doesn't have a great cap situation to work with, but I think it would benefit both sides in that, A, it would prove that he's not a Jason Botterill. Let's face it, you said it, Cully. Jason Botterill's indecision, his, I call it his complacency. If this guy went to an all-you-can-eat buffet, I think he would starve to death because he would just be looking at everything, okay? Uh, <laughs> but, but, but all I'm saying uh, is, like, is two things. One, it proves that the old regime – again, you don't have to go overspend on players, but just prove try and make trades. I mean, that's what Brandon Bean's doing with Bills. I get it. The NFL and the NHL are not the same thing. But when you're constantly testing the waters, not only does it show that you're not complacent like the last regime, but the other thing is it kind of – you know, camouflages your moves when you're constantly pestering about players. Well, it doesn't, you know, stick out so much when you send an offer with a third round pick or a second round pick. And that allows you to make the steals like, for example, you know, getting Jeff Skinner for a Cliff Pooh, you know, stuff like that. I mean, uh, that's just what I want to see out of our GM. I get we're talking about the bigger picture here. Well yeah. said. Well said. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with what Maniac said too. And just, um, and we, he mentioned the cap situation. I mean, I know you guys are up against the cap too up there in Vancouver. That's why these decisions with a guy like Brock Besser, which has come out in the last couple of days, you know, you know, make, uh, it'll make, make decisions like this more difficult because, you know, do you, do you part ways with the Brock Besser in, you know, in favor of a Tyler Toffoli? Uh, I mean, I don't know. And then you brought up Louis Erickson too. I was actually going to bridge into that. You know, um, you guys have a similar situation with Louis Erickson that we kind of have here with Kyle Akposo. You know, you have exactly. a guy who paid a lot of money who's not producing for the money he's making. Exactly. Yeah. And I think when, when you look at Vancouver's cap situation, I think um, my colleague Thomas Strantz kind of mapped it out. Uh, it's it's going to be difficult to navigate. I mean, the Canucks have three key uh, UFAs coming up. Uh, Toffoli, Jacob Markstrom, who was arguably the team's MVP. Vancouver's a, a better defensive... Vezina guy, too. Sorry. Yeah, and and he was dynamite for this team. I mean, Vancouver has been a bit of a defensive tire uh, tire fire, and Markstrom papered over a lot of those deficiencies. Uh, really came into his own as as uh, as arguably a top five, top three goalie this year, and yeah. uh, so he's a top priority. Markstrom into Foley, hundred percent. They like from a lot of fans' perspective, they have to come back. And then you even have Chris Tanev; he's probably going to be cap casualty. Um, and so when you think about, okay, well, do we have to move a guy like Brock Besser? I think when you, again, map it out, um, there are ways if you make difficult decisions that you don't have to. You can, you'll have to send Louis Erickson down to the minors. You'll have to trade Jordy Bennett in his $2 million cap hit. Uh, you'll have to try and find uh, try and find a way to get rid of Sven Berchi's contract at 50% retained. You're going to have to buy Brandon Sutter out. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to take a lot, but it is possible. Uh, but no question. I mean, when you're trying, when you're talking about a, a cap environment, every dollar matters. And, and you look at Vancouver's bottom six, they've got what close to $20 million uh, locked up there. And it's, it's, it's frustrating for a lot of fans because uh, they see that situation. They see, okay, we've got Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes on their ELC for one more year. Uh, they should, this, this should be a year where you look at teams like Winnipeg and Toronto and, and Pittsburgh and Chicago back in the day, these, these teams trying to load up for the last year of, of these star players as ELCs, but Vancouver, a team like Vancouver can't take advantage of it because all the inefficient contracts they have. And I know, uh, Sabres fans can kind of relate because they've got obviously Ocpozo and, and now Jeff Skinner as well. 
No, but I, also it doesn't help with the flat, you know, with the flat salary. Exactly. Can't do. We're not getting any raises. You watch, you know, you see, you see the NBA, you see all the other major leagues and all that number just keeps going up. The contracts get more and more ridiculous, but you know, our best player in the entire NHL, arguably in the world is making what's Connor McDavid making 13, 12, 13, 14, 12 and a half. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And it really puts teams in a really tough spot. Big time. I, I well said, and I, I wanted to bring this up. You look at, you mentioned Harmon, how um, both Buffalo and Vancouver, we, we have so much uh, money, you know, locked into unimportant roles. I don't want to say unimportant, but bottom six or fifth, sixth defenseman. Guys, how many teams have we seen that have won recently um, have been getting contributions throughout their lineup, especially in their bottom six, from guys on ELCs? And that's one thing neither Buffalo or Vancouver has gotten. And I think that is a huge factor on this. Uh, and, and like you guys mentioned, with so many moving pieces, it takes a lot to be able to shed that dead weight. Um, I open this up to, to you guys. What, what is some, you know, in either scenario – would Brock Besser to Buffalo make sense? Is that a deal that we can work out and, and you know, coming from, from both sides here? It would make sense, and that's exactly why it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing that I can say. It makes too much sense for us to go after a top right-handed forward like Brock Besser, and we have the potential pieces on, you know, between defense and picks where it's something that we could make happen. But I think I think Vancouver likes Besser too much, and I think that we are not. I just don't. I can't see it. I just can't see it happening. But that's that that that's the bitch of it, you know, Tristan. Is that you know sometimes that that, that decision's kind of like left out of your hands because of this again a flat cap because you said it's not going to go up. Um, who's you know, Tristan? Who's Tristan? Guy. Who's that? Thank you. <laughs> the funnel guy. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> I won't, I won't let it happen again. I apologize. I apologize. Uh, anyway, anyways, uh, with, with with it being a flat cap this next year, not, you know, you know, it not going up, you know, and you want to re-sign a guy like Tyler Toffoli because you think he brings more to the table than maybe Brock Besser who's coming off, you know, a year where you were kind of expected more out of him. You know, is he expendable from that lineup? I think. I think you know. For the right for the right deal, he is, and I do know Vancouver is in need of help on their blue line, which we have plenty of to offer. Um, you know, and you know, you usually always see prospects or picks go back the other way. So Herman, I don't know what what would it take for for Brock Besser to be dealt away from Vancouver, say to a Buffalo in your eyes. Yeah, so look, I mean, when you look at Besser's situation, um, you've obviously got to remember remember this is a player who. Uh, can pretty easily knock 25, 30 goals. Um, that's sort of his, his, his floor that he's shown over the last couple of years. And I mean, even in, in what was considered a, a down year. A down year. A down year. He, he produced 16 goals and 45 points in, in 57 games. You're talking about a 23-goal, 65-point uh, really <laughs> pace, yeah. right? So that's and, – and, and again, the narrative was, all oh, like, he's not the same. He's not this. I mean, that's still one hell of a hockey player, a legitimate first-line caliber a winger who still has more upside left in him. He's shown better. And when you look at um, just kind of the, the, the year he had even – uh, the shot rates were there. He was still generating a lot of quality looks. The puck just wasn't going in. A lot of it comes down to the fact that his shooting percentage is a little low, uh, below his career average. We know he's an above-average finisher. So 
um, his production should rebound. And so from Vancouver's perspective, one thing they, they've got to keep in mind is um, they've got to be wary and, and they're going to know not to sell low on Besser right now because um, the, the, what it would take, I think, to, to actually pry him away from Vancouver is a young top four defenseman with top pairing upside, someone who you know is who I was, similar age. You know who I was going to say? And, again, I would love – everybody in Buffalo wants to get rid of Rasmus Ristolainen. And that, da, 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 that just makes too much sense. There's no way that would ever happen. You know what I think it would realistically cost if we wanted somebody like Besser? I think it would be like a, like a Henry Yokoharu or – somebody that does have that serious top four upside in the Sabres lineup. And I think Yoga Aru is one of those guys, same situation, right-handed defenseman. You know, they're very sought after in the NHL right now. And I think that's a deal that could get it done, but I don't know if I want to give up on Yoga Haru yet. I don't think, I don't want to move him. He had, he had a great showing with us. I, I loved his ability to, you know, as a, as a young puck moving defenseman. And it brings me up, Harmon, to your recent article about, you know, measuring uh, the, the puck moving defenseman. Where does a guy like Yoki Haru stack up against other pieces that Buffalo has and how attractive is he compared to some of the other pieces that we could offer on the back end? Oh, I love Yoki Haru. And, and, and I mean, when you looked at a lot of his own exit numbers, he stood out as someone who, I mean, this is how how young is he? Like he he's nineteen, twenty years old, and at this young, young of an age, at this young of an age, he's putting up elite puck moving numbers. Uh, yeah. And even in even in his time in in Chicago, you look at his shot metrics. When he's on the ice, really good things happen. You tend to outshoot and, and outchance the other team. And uh, Yoki Haru, when you look at his skill set, and I even got a chance to watch him next to. Uh, Ole Ulevi at, uh, at the World Juniors uh, yeah. for, for Team Finland. He was a horse that cool. tournament. Exactly. I mean, you're talking about a guy who just controls a transition game, not only moving the puck up the ice, but he's gapping up well in the neutral yeah. zone, uh, taking time and space away. He's just built for the modern game. I love everything about him. I think definitely top four upside, maybe even top pairing upside. Yeah. He plays with that jam in his own end, too, for, for a exactly. skill guy. And, and I love that. He, he, below is, you know, from the dots down, defensively, you don't see that a ton in, in today's modern puck era movie defenseman. It, it's a lot of one or the other. Uh, and, and nothing against the guys like, um, you know, Quinn Hughes or Rasmus Dahlin. They don't have a ton of jam to their game, you know, enough to make it work. But a guy like Yoki Haru, it's interesting to project where he'll end up, guys, because like you said, Harmon, he has the ability to, to, to you know, contribute offensively and, and, you know, move the puck north. But I, I, I love, I, you know, you know, uh, Buffalo guys, you, you can back me up here. We've seen bits and pieces of jam in our own end that we haven't seen in, in a long time. I don't know. I don't want to get I, uh, No, I, I, I just, 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 uh, you know, do we have do we have Johnny Cullen on the con, on the podcast or is that Craig Reve? I just heard the, the word jam used three times in one. Oh, I love good piece of jam <laughs> here, fellas. So a lot of yeah, that, that's all you hear on the instigators is the word jam come out of his mouth. But well, uh, maybe Craig took it from me, Dwayne. Fuck him. Maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, making moves over here on two G one M. I will say but, the, the one thing. Two actually, two things. The Talking about Basers last year or whatever, down year, shooting percentage below his average, everybody knows he's a finisher. That just sounds like Jeff Skinner to me. So I'm not saying that, you know, because we have Skinner, we shouldn't get Besser, but that actually makes me more optimistic about Skinner bouncing back because HD, you're saying that, you know, they don't want to deal low on, on Brocky B. So obviously we shouldn't be too low on Jeff Skinner, who has great numbers over the last half year, or sorry, half decade. 
with that said, you were like obviously at Canucks camp today or whatever. They were saying, you know, the rumors about Brock, you know, wanting to trade him wasn't true. Do you think that's managerial speak when you are trying to make a move? Do you lean that way or do you think that they genuinely want him as a piece going forward? Well, I think it's a bit of both because I obviously I think they do greatly value the the skill set that he, that he brings to the lineup again. Vancouver isn't exactly a team that uh, that has a ton of riches up front. We're talking about a really strong top six, but not a whole lot, a whole lot uh, coming thereafter. And and but beyond that, I think he's not he's not an untouchable like Elias Pettersson or Quinn Hughes are. And 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 I think one of the primary reasons for that is because of the injury history. Uh, we're talking about three seasons now where he has yet to play seventy games. Um, lingering sort of wrist concerns. I know he had surgery back uh, in his days at uh, at Nodak in the NCAA. Uh, so you know, whispers here and there about his health, but no, no doubt the the team recognizes uh, that he's a, a pure goal scorer who's done a lot to improve. I mean, we talk about yes, the offensive production wasn't there, uh, but he took notable strides in his two way game. He really rounded out the playmaking side of his game. Uh, so those are really encouraging steps to see as well. Uh, I think, again, he's, he's someone who you're going to have to pay a really steep price to get him, but he is realistically someone who, uh, I, I mean, at the end of the day, he's not a, a franchise winger. He's a, a high-end first line uh, forward. Those guys aren't untouchable like Pedersen or Hughes. And, and just going back to the whole managerial thing, look, from my perspective, you hear teams – or you hear general managers all around refute reports. Like, what else are they, are, are they going to do? Uh, Brad for living uh, completely denied the Dougie Hamilton rumors before dealing him. Uh, you look at uh, Mark Bergevin with P.K. Subban uh, saying he's not going to trade him, and then guess what happens months later? Uh, I think there was even something with, uh, with the Sabres and O'Reilly. They, someone called it out just uh, Canadian rumors or something. Um, and then, of course, O'Reilly eventually got dealt. So I don't, I don't pay a ton of uh, attention to what uh, GM is saying because there isn't a whole lot else they can say publicly. Um, but this isn't a situation where they're going to just quit on him for, for pennies on the dollar. No, absolutely. And with that, with that being said, um, you know, we kind of had dealt with the same situation here in Buffalo with a player that's often injured, obviously it's not to the same skill level as, as, as uh, you know, Brock B, but, uh, with Kyle Ocposo, as I mentioned earlier, the guy where, you know, it seems, almost seems like he rarely finishes the season without having some type of injury that, you know, keeps him sidelined for a while. Again, not the same skill level, but do you want to invest that kind of capital and, you know, you know, assets and then money later on into a player who you might not get, you know, full seasons out of? And that's the, that's the question at hand as well, um, which makes me nervous coming into it too about what you'd have to give up to get him. But yeah. I do also think he is a player – that doesn't become available every very so often yeah. that you have to, you have to at least see if there's an interest there on Vancouver's part. If, if they are shopping. Them. It was like Skinner. We had to do what we did with Skinner. Yeah. As a player like him, the, you know, 30, 40 plus goal score does not come around very often. And when he does, you got to try to make a move on him for good or for bad. You know, you can always look back and talk about that contract that he that we signed him to, and you know, you can always make griping points about that. But at the end of the day, you got to make these moves. We let we let Breer and Drury walk. You know what I mean? You were getting you were scared at this point. Every yeah. every thirteen seasons, the Sabers are cursed and have to pay a fifty million dollar contract out to 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 a winger. 
fucking Billy tough. Billy Leno, a.k.a. the Bobby Vanilla of the NHL. Uh, hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> Billy, Billy Leno was trapped in jail when he was here. Let's be fair, man. Come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Unreal. Anybody else, like, super? I, again, yeah, like, I'm worried about my bank account just from, like, a, like how much money I'm going to lose perspective. But, like, who's, who's losing their shit? Like, we could have playoff hockey in, like, two weeks, two weeks and change. This is crazy. Well, looking back, was it not a, uh, a result against Montreal two weeks before the season stopped? That had we won that, we'd be in their position? Or am I getting that wrong here? I'm glad we're not in no, it. I I'm, I'm it. glad we're not in it either. I, I, you both suck. You both <laughs> suck. You, you both, that. like, honestly, <laughs> well, here, shut oh. up. You're both done. This isn't like this isn't like a child, like, went for a joyride and brought the car back to the garage. Like, oh, they got lucky to get in and unsee it. They're like, we absolutely want them in the playoffs. If they were matching up against a Toronto or somebody else, Eichel, Reinhardt, Skinner could all go off. Darlene could have spent the four, last four months going, what if Omar goes on a heater? Saying you don't want to – I am done with both of you for the next two minutes. <laughs> hey, listen, Maniac, listen. I'm with you one million percent. Listen, and I, I don't I, know. I, 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 hey, HD's in a good position right now. He gets to watch playoff hockey. And they're a team that, you know, to start the season, fuck, even go back to October, you know, when we were actually winning hockey games. And, you know, it wasn't all that clear that they – the Pacific Division was ultra tight to start the year, right, Armin? Like there was yeah. no, there was no um, guarantee that Vancouver, even even leading up to the deadline, that they were going to be, you know, that that much farther ahead than us. But doesn't it seem right now that that Vancouver has absolutely leapfrogged us as, as far as um, you know getting closer to the being that competitive team? And uh, it, it takes a couple moves here and there. I, I wanted to go back to this, guys. The signing of J.T. Miller. All right, he's oh. another guy I have history with. He absolutely bullied me when he was in Plymouth. And he was a bit of a cocksucker, too. Um, <laughs> no, but hey, he plays with jam. I'll go back to fucking, you know, mini Craig Reve over here. But he, he's done a lot. And, and HG, what, what are you guys what – what have you loved most about his game? Because he has been a delight, uh, especially on that power play. Uh, it seems like he was that missing piece that brings the best out of – is he on that unit with Hughes yeah. and um, Pedersen? Right? Like, that is a, a fun unit to watch. Even just this year, I was coaching in Pittsburgh – I would clip out just how well they went low to high and then hit that seam pass. They really did a great job of stretching out that PK, whether, you know, the teams are running a, a diamond or a box, they were able to consistently create that seam, that window. And we've seen that that is, you know, the bread and butter for the modern NHL power play. Exactly. And really as, as far as Miller is concerned, um, it was a, 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 it was a very controversial trade at the time because uh, the Canucks obviously gave up uh, uh, their first round pick. In, what was in the deal? Time. It was uh, a first round pick, uh, lottery protected for this year. So what happens is if they lose this play-in series, they keep it this year, and, and next year it's unprotected. Uh, plus a third oh, round. Real. Plus a thirder, and so yeah. yeah. So wait, what was the controversy around that? I mean, he he was playing well, and well, actually, I could see it in Tampa Bay. He wasn't the guy, uh, but you've seen you know, even from his time for the Rangers. I mean, I've always known the guy could play because he probably had about fourteen goals against me in five games. Um, it, he 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 fills a, a role. He plays heavy game, uh, but he can also you know play with elite skill. Uh, who was he playing with on a line? Was he in that Pedersen. top line, or he was on Pedersen's yeah. line? Yeah, I think the controversy at the time was, um, is Vancouver that far ahead in their rebuild that they should be giving up uh, uh, potentially an unprotected first 
uh, to get, uh, for a player like Miller because, I mean, you look at uh, sort of his contract situation, um, even he's locked up for the next, uh, I want to say, three years. But the question yeah. was, can the Canucks be cup contenders in that sort of time frame where you've got Miller versus you, obviously you, the unprotected, the, the first round picks are how the Canucks have gotten, gotten the likes of Pedersen, Bess, or Hughes, right? So those are highly, highly valued commodities. Um, and obviously, I think at the time, Miller, Miller was viewed as uh, a good top six winger, but no one, uh, I think, could have pr- predicted the type of breakout performance he had this year. I mean, leading the team in points, 72 and, and 69, um, just, just putting the team on his back offensively. And um, he's just, in every, in every which way you, you watch him play, there's just so many subtleties that you enjoy watching him play breaking out of his own zone, just so smart with his, with his shoulder checks and re- resetting the play. Um, loves skating, skating the puck through the neutral zone. Um, and the offense is so good at protecting the puck. He's got such underrated vision. Um, was way more confident with the shot this year. And, and alongside Pedersen, I mean, those guys were just – that line was unstoppable, one of the best lines in all of hockey. Uh, and – you know, that, that's the type of deal that Vancouver needed for them to sort of, you talk about them kind of taking that next step ahead of a team like uh, Buffalo. That's the type of trade that they needed to take that step. And, and, and Miller was, uh, I, I mean, definitely one, one of the team's most valuable players. Looking at him too, it even makes me think, like, how has Tampa Bay not won a Stanley Cup yet? with like some of the players that they've had come in and out of that organization in the past couple of years with like, just like sheer talent, like Ben Bishop, you talk about players like JT Miller, like there's a million of them and that team is so good and their window is closing. And I wouldn't say quick, but like you gotta, you gotta do something sometime and you see players like JT Miller leave and go tear it up out in Vancouver. Like, I don't know. I just, I just can't believe that that team hasn't won a cup. Yet. I think Both it's a them. lesson. I think it's a lesson that it shows you how hard it is to win a cup and like yeah. how long your window needs to be. Because you look at how, how many times, how many tries did Washington need, right? Oh how, how many attempts did with the, St. Louis with the greatest need? goal scorer ever played? Exactly. Yeah. The greatest so, goal scorer ever played. Really, it's it, it, it's a lesson that when you're building out a team, and this is really important for teams like Vancouver and Buffalo to keep in mind. As you're trying to build uh, a cup contender, it doesn't matter how good you, you think your team is. I mean, I go back to the 2011 Canucks. They won the President's Trophy in back-to-back years. That was uh, an unreal squad. It was like it was comparable to Tampa Bay situation, and they couldn't get it done because yeah. the window wasn't long enough. Three, four years isn't, yep. isn't enough. You need five, yep. six, seven years of year in and year out. You're among the top eight or nine teams that can realistically compete for a Stanley Cup. So that's the lesson I take away from that. Yeah. No, yep. fair enough. And go and going back, I know I know my two uh, the maniacs two minutes are off, so we can we, I can bring this back up again. Um, just like you said, uh, Harmon, is that how difficult it is to win a Stanley Cup and how long it takes, especially when you make it to the playoffs. That's my issue, and I know I don't know if Trishan's on the same page or the funnel guy is on the same page as me. That uh, you know I just don't think the Sabers are deep enough to make a long run to win to win a cup. No matter who goes on a heater, I, I can't see Jack putting that team on his back for a long prolonged playoff run that consists not of, you know, 16 teams, but 24 teams. Um, me personally, there's only two ways I would have wanted to see Buffalo in this, in, in this situation is if they were playing Toronto in the first round, which in that, in that case, I would love to rain on Toronto's parade. I would love to be the ones to knock them out because 
uh, of my my longstanding uh, rivalry with <laughs> Maple Leafs fans. But I mean, honestly, we would have been better off. Lot, lottery odds wise at making the playoffs apparently <laughs> yeah <laughs> we did and we did not so but um go, going back to what you said though you were, you hit the nail on the head right on the head Harmon is you just you just can't be expected to you know have any prolonged success in this league at you know winning a Stanley Cup uh unless you have a team that's more built for the longevity of you know how long it takes like you said look how long it t- it, it's taken uh Washington you know, the fact that Tampa Bay has had the squad they've had for the amount of time they've had it and how long Stamkos has been on that team. And now you have Kucherov and, you know, Point and all these other players. And they still, you know, can't even, you know, they've been only, only been to the finals once, you know, yeah. um, with arguably the best goalie in the league. Um, it's, it, you know, it, you have to be built for some type of sustained success, which is I think the end goal for both our, our teams, both Buffalo and, you know, um, Vancouver. Um, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts on that are, Tristan or Collie or Maniac. I know, uh, I, do we got Maniac off mute now or? I'm off mute. I mean, you said it yourself. You need other players to go off. And that's probably the biggest condemnation of why it couldn't happen. Not only did like nobody else go off for the Sabres, but there were points where like when Eichel didn't score, they had no shot at, sc- at winning the game. It was basically like, 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 like funnel guy is laughing. That's how sad it is. It was literally basically a guaranteed sad. Yep. I think if you look at about the 15, the 20, 25 games where he didn't score, they were, they could not have been better than like five and 20 or whatever. But yeah, you need that yeah. run. You need players going off. I mean, you look at like a Kuznetsov, you know, he goes off for, I think it was like 12 goals in 24 games. And that's in that Capitals. Run. And it's exactly like our guy HD said, you need, to be in the playoffs basically five to seven times just so that you can hit that one streak where you get a hot goalie for two series, you get crazy scoring, and then you just ride the rest. The NHL Stanley Cup is literally the grind of all grinds. In the Super Bowl, you can get – like, or in just the way the NFL playoffs are, you can get kind of lucky. The MLB playoffs, you can get pitchers that are just dominant. You don't need your whole team. The NHL, you really need everything. So There it, is no both- luck. It's both alarming that, you know, the Sabres are so far away. And then on the flip side, it's encouraging in the sense that we love hockey. And in two weeks, there will be teams playing that will hopefully start these runs. And, yeah, I mean, I can't wait to see Ovechkin back out there. I mean, it's just – it's exciting. Or how long do we think it is until one of these puck, one of these puck bunnies pops, pops the bubble? Buffalo <laughs> swamp donkeys invading I, the bubble. I can see, I can see the girls out there with their with their hands just shaking. Let me in, let me in the bubble. I can only see it in my head, and I'm telling you, how long and what is it going to take? I don't know, Harmon, if you know any more details about this because I don't. So obviously, there's a bubble. What does it take to to have the bubble collapse and have the whole thing fall down? Like, how? What is that? What? Well, I don't think the NHL's released their their X number, right, Harmon? Sorry, what was that? That the, the NHL is like uh, somebody inquired about what the number of positive cases would be, right. or yeah. they haven't released that number. But I, that's a great question, funnel guy, because I would I, I don't want to see it happen, obviously, but it's it's a it's a possibility we all have to prepare ourselves for, right? We're already seeing we're already seeing things on Twitter about NBA players inviting girls. Yeah, that it, lot lizard. The lot lizard said, "Ooh, I've already got the invite." Like, oh, babe, get some water because you are thirsty. 
Guys, that that was those were rumors. Okay, come on, we're we're dealing with Harmon here. Let's talk about stuff that's solidified. Let's talk about you know stuff with integrity. Like let's talk about this. The NHL bubble. Like if it like you said, if it gets burst, is it the situation where like a like if someone has to test positive, or is it like if the bubble opens up at all, like in Monster Zinc when they had the sock, the twenty three nineteen. Like is that yeah. how is that how the bubble gets burst? <laughs> if someone brings in like a piece of clothing from outside the bubble, yeah. oh my god! Twenty three nineteen. I mean, somebody that's what walks I've been in with a loose thong like, hanging from him. Like, like how many, what'd you say? That's what I've been wondering too. Like, how many positive cases um, can you take? Because the, the the thing that I wonder is, I mean, if one guy on your team. Uh, gets the virus I mean aren't other guys on your team going to be exposed like the teammates and coaches like are yeah. we going to get to a point where we're going to have series is delayed because uh, I mean you have Vancouver has uh, Brock Besser and, and Elias Pedersen both are, are positive right and 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 even if they don't shut down the series well how much integrity does the series still yeah. have if 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 one team's missing five or six key guys I mean so I it out Connor McDavid not exactly. playing Exactly. Take McDavid and dry settle out for Edmonton. I mean, you can't distinguish it from an AHL squad. So, uh, the COVID Cup. That, yeah, that competitive I mean, advantage that you bring up, HD and Funnel Guy, like that to me is the big question. How does the NHL, um, I don't want to say explain themselves, but how do they conduct this where, listen, it's, it's, it's different between, you know, if you lose a guy, and I don't know Edmonton's roster that well, but if you lose a guy like Zach Cassian, you're still probably okay. It's a big piece. Yeah, yeah he's playing some minutes. But you bring up, uh, you know, McDavid, guys idle. What about a starting goalie, guys? Like, that's a yeah. big, big blow that's, right here. We yep. saw, go back to what was the last one? Edmonton, uh, back when they lost to Carolina, what they went through, and they didn't even have a stud. Like, Roley, the goalie, Dwayne was and great. And probably some of his best hockey, but, like, you wouldn't call him elite at that time. Maybe you would. I don't know. I'm a rolly guy. Uh, Roll, like rolly the goalie. Let's rolly go. Rolly the goalie, baby. Dwayne but, I mean, rolly. I guess, HD, you bring up a great point. That competitive advantage between what a team would do if they lost a top guy or a couple top guys and what the protocol is. Uh, because I don't know if you guys saw, Pittsburgh had nine players that they are now retesting and quarantining. Anybody else yep. see that headline? Yep, saw that. So they were, I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, nine players, they weren't exposed to somebody that had the virus. They were exposed to somebody that was exposed. So I love to see that they're, they're being proactive about this because, like you guys said, all it takes is, you know, one guy to test positive that, you know, maybe didn't know right away, and he's been with all of your teammates, all of your staff. How do you, how do you isolate that? And how much leeway are they willing to give a team if, hey, we just had, you know, somebody test positive that's been around our core group or is in our core group. We're in the middle of a series. Do you give a team the benefit of the doubt and give them a couple extra days? Because the way I look at it, fellas, is we're already in a tight, tight schedule. It's going to be, gonna be a August. magic act for the NHL to pull this off next season. I'm looking at the next season. Like, that to me is a scary thought when we're already talking about an expedited shortened season. Didn't they say they want to do a full season next season too? So it's basically going to be like, yep. you know where to January put it. To, uh, January to whatever it would be. Right? Me, I don't know how that's getting done. Like I, I'm optimistic as the next guy. And that's why as much as I want to see playoff hockey, I was almost leaning towards I'd rather preserve the integrity and the entirety of next season if it meant that we were going to have you know hockey back. 
Because now if this blows up, guys, let's just say worst case scenario, and I know we hate to think about this, knock on wood, but if something does happen, but let's say we get through the first couple rounds, and let's just say we're in August and we have to shut it down. Now we don't have a Stanley Cup winner, or do we? Do they delay it and delay it? You see what I'm getting out here? Scary thought. I think the other consideration, though, is when you talk about next season, that's, I mean, you're starting in October. That's yeah. prime flu season. So I think from the league's perspective, if you're not able to finish this tournament, then there's no way next season would have started anyway. Well, well so, put. So I think from, from that perspective, you're trying, you're, you're saying, hey, if we can pull this off, well, maybe we have a hope for, for next season as well. If, if maybe there's a situation where flu season causes a second wave, well, at least we've hopefully finished this one. Um, but, it, 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 I mean, next season is the one where I'm most – I wonder how they're, going, how they're going to pull it off. And um, the closer we get to sort of the, the, the winter and, and colder months, I think uh, we're going to need a vaccine at some point for all of this to be feasible because how long are you realistically – you're not going to pull off an entire year in a bubble. Like no, that, that's absolutely. just not going to be feasible for the. Or players. are they gonna? Or are they gonna try to just do? We're gonna, you know, kind of jump the flu season as much as we can. Is the NHL season gonna be January to August every year from now on? I uh, there was a there was two. Who's to um, say? Yeah, there was a report. I'm not I, again. I I read it quickly on my Twitter feed. I'm not even sure which sport it was, but a player crossed uh, got went off campus or out of the bubble. Yeah, that was NBA. Yeah, NBA, and he was automatically quarantined for 10 days. Like, how are you expected to keep control over, you know, 20-some-odd athletes, and not to mention just the athletes, but the coaching staff, the, the athletic trainers, the, the, all, all, all their staff for that prolonged of amount of time. 24 teams now for a playoff. I have always been on the boat since day one. I really don't think you should be worried about a playoff right now. I personally would rather see them try and secure next season. Um, I just, sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. I I just, I just think, I just think you should, the reality of it is, and this isn't just because I'm sound like I'm biased because the Sabres aren't involved. I'm just trying to you know be a realist here. And like, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Most of our country is going through the second wave of it right now. And to expect, you know, how many athletes to abide by these rules and, or not even just abide by the rules, but, Again, like Harmon said, what if one player gets it? How are you? How are you expected to control that? And then you have, you know, half your team go into quarantine. I just personally think this should be a situation where you, you know, you hope you you, you prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And I think you should be concentrated on next season. I don't mean to, you know, rain on people's parades because we all want hockey back, but I want the I want the prolonged success of the league, and I want to see another season go off without a hitch next year. We're still in the first wave, just a heads up. Yeah, yeah New York. I had one, one quick no, 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 thing. the country. We are talking about oh, first um, professional athletes that have a tremendous amount of, of personal discipline, right? And I'm not going to put hockey because I'm biased above other sports, but when you talk about um, the sacrifice, you know, sacrificing individuality for the betterment of a group or a team, I'd like to say that hockey probably is at the top of the list there. Any arguments, fellas? So with that being Unless said, I do think, what's yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, with the exception, <laughs> but I, I think that when, talk, 
Yeah, fuck. <laughs> you guys are just targeting my argument. Here. Just fucking throw Cully's argument and just bust that shit up. No, but I think, Dwayne, when you talk about, you know, the discipline of it, is it fair? No. I, that's why I think that if a player wants to opt out, go for it. I'm not going to look down on you at all. Anybody that does is a fucking idiot. Uh, like, if you guys seen some of these jabronis on Twitter calling out some of these players that have legitimate medical concerns, in my opinion, guys, if a player opts out, they should not be looked down upon, should be judged at all, nope. because this is completely voluntary. Yes, it is their job. It is their livelihood. But if they feel any hesitations, then stay at home and you should not be judged for it. And I think anybody that thinks otherwise is, is an idiot. I'm sorry. Is it just the two players right now? Is it just Mike Green and Travis Hamanek? No, I think there's like five or six. Seven. 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 Are you serious? Yeah. Carmen, do you know do you know uh there was a player that came Sven out of Vancouver too? Yeah. Oh, yep. Now, hey, really quick, on that note, how does that affect I heard you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, H D, but is that does that play anything into how he's been treated over the past year or so? Yeah, I'm not sure about his particular circumstances. I know that he has a, a pretty young uh, baby, but I, I think I think part of it is you see a lot of these guys, they realistically see kind of maybe the the roster and they weigh the risk to reward. Um, and obviously, I don't want to speculate into Sven's um, situation and, and what his worries are, but um, if it's different if you're opting out and you're a depth guy versus if you're Austin Matthews and you're, and you're trying to, or Jack Eichel and you're, and you're opting out. But again, I think um, obviously, as, as you mentioned, like full respect. Um, I mean, Jim Benning said the same thing in the, in the press conference today, they fully support Sven and um, it's up to the individual person. I mean, you even look at uh, Travis Hamannick, important part of the flames roster, but Big piece uh, of that back Legitimate, end. legitimate mm-hmm. medical reason, 100%. I mean, it, it, this is still a pandemic that we're talking about. So um, absolutely no judgment passed from uh, any of us here. Yeah. Then you look at a guy like Bo Horvat, just had yeah. a baby. Yep. You know what I mean? Still still going out of his way, still, you know, making the trek because it's, you know, his journey, his voyage. And uh, like you said, you just got to respect it one way or the other. You got to take both of them in stride and, you know, understand each person's situation. That's all you can do. Now, I wanted and to bring this up with Bo Horvat. Um, Harmon, how, how much of a pleasant surprise has it been? Maybe it's not a surprise. Maybe you guys saw it all along. I played against him his rookie year, and just from the way he carried himself, like a 16-year-old playing in London, he had some big shoes to fell. Kadri and Tavares had just left. He was a stud, and I, I've, it's been a pleasure to watch. And I don't know, Buffalo guys, if you agree with me, he's somebody that you know, has led his team from, from the basement and, and now they're competing, you know, and not, not comparing him to Jack or judging Jack at all. He's had some, some outside help, uh, Bo has, maybe that Jack hasn't. But I think that's a, you know, I guess, I mean, what I'm asking is, is, is this something that you guys saw coming? Is Bo at his ceiling? Does he have more to give? And how excited are you that he's leading you, he's leading you guys going forward? Yeah, I think when he was drafted, he was a bit of a reach because he didn't have – uh, huge numbers in, in in the OHL offensively, but I think what you saw was the character, and most importantly, his skating improved tremendously yeah. from his draft year to when he actually stepped into into the NHL. We're talking about someone who he had, he had average boots in the OHL when he played, exactly you know, elite level shot and and you know good defensively. But I remember he we called them cinder blocks because he just had bad boots for being a top player in the league. And you're, you're bang on right there. His skating has developed immensely. 
that was the game changer. We're talking about someone who, uh, I mean, you, you watch him go end to end sometimes. And this guy's got serious wheels, not only for a guy of, of, of his size as a, as a, as a power forward, but just period. The guy can flat out, uh, <laughs> he, he can go out, he can skate with the best of them. He and that was really, a wheel. Exactly. And that was sort of what took him to the next level offensively. And I think what you saw from him uh, there was immediately when he broke out, that was a surprise. Um, I think what we've seen since the fact that he's continued building upon that, um, that hasn't been so much so because uh, from there, once you saw once you saw the, that he had the speed, well, then it was like, all right, this guy's got all the tools, right? This guy, good shot, um, obviously wheels really well, uh, good, good vision. Um, I mean, there's really not a whole lot of uh, holes or anything to poke at with this game, no weaknesses. Uh, so really, there was a path for him as a top six center. And I think now we're really seeing, <clears throat> seeing him come into his own. Um, I think the question from my perspective is just how good can he get defensively? Because uh, that was obviously his, uh, a big calling card of his in junior. I think at the NHL level, his offensive game has progressed much quicker than sort of um, his two-way ability. And we've seen it kind of sputter here and there. If he can add that two-way element, and I mean, e even still, he's a championship caliber 2C. But if he can add that defensive element um, and, and take the next step in that regard, you're talking about uh, a force to be reckoned with. And um, I, I think you look at Vancouver's situation, regardless of if he takes another step or not, uh, to have uh, Pedersen and Horvat uh, as, as a one-two punch. Cup, as, uh, you need that as a cup contender. And it's a huge, huge uh, sort of thing for Vancouver to be able to check off in the rebuild here. What was that? What was that deal again? It was Corey Schneider for the tenth overall pick that became Bo Horvat. Is that right? Yeah, it was straight up for the ninth pick. And oh, and ninth pick! What a steal! It was a steal. And, and you're paying. Oh and he, and he, you know, he's on that. He's on that six-year. Uh, was it 30, 30 or thirty-three million yeah. dollar deal? Five, five and a half a year for your second-line center. Yeah. You're not doing too shabby there, man. It's a it's great like deal. Doesn't the name Bo just sound like he's going to be a big guy too? I just love his name. I've always that's why like he's like, oh, we're going up against Bo today. Like, yeah, Bo's like just sounds like a guy who would be like six foot eight. Yeah, Bo fucks. <laughs> no, hey, what happens? Hey, what a risto of Mister Mrs. Horvat if your son is a dud. You know, like how are you if you're a plug and your name's Bo? Like that's got to be a tough life. They need. Yeah, uh, they actually, yeah, guys, actually, Bo sucks. They actually just named their uh, their uh, their baby boy Gunner because yes, Bo was I like, oh my god, Gunner Stall. Boys, hey, Gunner Stall. Like I thought, I might have been. You know, well, hey, when I first saw Mighty Ducks, I there was some blood flowing because I might have been playing for both teams back then because he is my guy, and I you know, was attracted to Gunner Stall strictly for hockey reasons. Okay, looking back on okay. it, hey, come on, okay. you're telling me he didn't have great flow. He was he's intimidating, great, but you saw the compassion at the end of the movie, his interaction with Julie the cat, that didn't bring a tear to your eye? Come on. You human beings? Gonna stall. <laughs> no, I, I agree. You know what's going on right now? It's popular is the meme where it's like the villain they like made you think of, but the actual villain. Gunner Stall was kind of like the villain built up throughout like the D2 movie, but then towards the end you realize Wolf, the great coach. The, the coach Wolf, is yeah, actually yeah. – the, uh, yeah. the Gunner Stall is a great guy. Gunner Stall, at the end of the day, is just 
he got uh he got Lucius or he got he got a uh, Draco Malfoy, as I like to say. You yeah. you you you, lo- you lost you lost it for yourself. Yeah, you lost it. For- Let's go and shake their hands. Go Wolf, shake their hand. The dentist, Stanston. Hey, uh, How do you get that nickname? Is that's what I want to know. The dentist. So, so HD, uh, you uh, do have a familiar face that we know pretty well over there in Buffalo, and uh, Tyler Myers. I know you oh, guys just uh, signed. You, you signed him to a extension last July. Uh, was it like a five year deal for thirty million? Like, what what are your what's your impression of him and what he's contributed so far? Because you know we you know he won the Calder Trophy when he was here in Buffalo, and then. The fan base kind of soured on him. We shipped him off to Winnipeg in the Evander Kane deal. And then now he signed with you guys, I believe, as a free agent. Was it a free agent yeah. signing? Yep. How yep. much yeah. was so, it? Six by six. Or oh, sorry, six a, by five, I think. Six by five. Yep. Is that a six fair number five. in your opinion? I think it's a steep price. Um, very, again, very divisive at the time. I think I like, look, as a player, Myers is a 4-5. I don't mind him at all. I think he had a good year. Um, he was pro- probably Vancouver's best right-handed defenseman, which isn't exactly a high bar to clear. But, um, <laughs> Does Tan have a righty? Tan has a righty, yeah. And he's, it, it, I look at Tanev as a perfect 5-6. He was. He I don't was, say perfect, but for the right price, I, like he plays with jam, he blocks shots, he kills penalties, and is, is he on a cost-effective contract? Uh, four point four five. Yeah, it was he, honestly Tanev. When you look at his shot suppression and you look at a lot of the underlying impact, he was. He he wasn't the same player. He hasn't been the same player over the past couple of years. But in his prime, you're talking about one of the best defensive defensemen in the league. Like in the same breath as as Nicholas Jalmerson. Um, also. Give credit where credit is due. Chris Tanev from the Rochester Institute of Technology. I just had to throw that out there. Credit where credit yeah. is due. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, D guy. Continue. So, sorry, HD. I didn't want to take away from Dwayne's original question. Back to Myers. Like, where? Like, that is that's that's a steep price, and it's yeah. kind of handcuffed you guys going forward. No, with some of these it some has. of these deals coming up. It has. I mean, look, Myers is. Uh, he just turned 30 years old. I mean, you look at you look at defensemen that that hit their 30s. They don't exactly age gracefully. And you when you when you look at, I mean, Myers is already paid like a number two defenseman, and already he's only a four five. Uh, yep. So he's he's not getting any better. He's only going to be getting worse. And um, when you look at a lot of the the projections based off of you know his age, where he's at right now, um, there's a chance he's basically a replacement level player for the last couple of years of his contract. And that would obviously be the heart uh, of what you'd hope to be, hope to be Vancouver's championship window, which is exactly why I kind of um, advocated against the deal. Uh, And really the primary issue there was the Canucks hadn't done a whole lot to rebuild their blue line in the past five years before. Um, And even now you look, you look at their back end, it's Quinn Hughes and, I mean, Alex Edler, he was, he was, he was a mainstay uh, top four during the 2011 run. Yeah. Wow. Chris Tanev, he was up, up young and, you know, he was um, fresh faced, like 21, 22 year old, but he was still part of that 2011 team at the end too. Uh, you look at Tyler Myers, he's 30 years old. I mean, those three aren't going to be top four defensemen for much longer. Um, and, and after Hughes, you don't have, it's not, a, it's not as if Vancouver's uh, bursting at the seams with, uh, ace defensive prospect. So really, there is uh, there is an issue there, and I think that's part of why uh, the Canucks had to pay such a, ha- paid such a hefty price for Tyler Myers. So, so funnel guy, it sounds like 
from what uh, HD is saying is that Vancouver overvalues uh, overvalues you know average average at best defensemen who are defensive liabilities. So that brings me to my next point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have a guy. We have a guy here that I've actually offered on Canucks Twitter multiple times. I will personally drive him to Vancouver myself. <laughs> in a uh, Rasmus Risto Leiden. Uh, hey, that'd be um, a fun. That'd be a fun car ride. Dwayne driving Risto up to Vancouver. It wouldn't be hostile at all, eh? Uh, <laughs> oh my! Nice thirty-eight hour drive. I, I I've mapped it out. Thirty-eight hours. Dwayne is 100% packed for this trip. He's ready to go. I'm ready to go. <laughs> but uh, honestly, uh, another, another guy, too, that um, I noticed, uh, you know, ever since I did that interview with TSN a few weeks back. Um, uh, not a big deal. Know, a little tire pump. Not a big deal. I got I got. A little uh, humble brag. Congrats <laughs> on the sax. But, uh, but uh, regardless, I mean, you, you, bring up, you bring up P.K. Subban every episode. I got to get mine in when I can. Hey, me uh, and P.K. have a special bond, all right? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's funny. I talked to PK last week. He has no clue who you are. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not, hey, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but, but, but anyway, but anyways, um, you know, I kind of like, you know, touch base with a lot, of, especially some guys that they do a podcast out of, uh, you know, nice little plug for them. Area 51 podcast out of Vancouver. Great show. Uh, it's, it's, if you guys. Have you guys soured at least Canucks Twitter seems like have you guys soured on Tanner Pearson at all? Because, that seems to be the guy that comes back in a lot of these armchair GM uh, trade scenarios I see whenever we bring up Ristolainen. I honestly haven't seen a whole lot of that. Uh, I think from uh, for, for Pearson, he's kind of fit like a glove next to Horvat. And, and the whole story the, yeah. uh, before Pearson came over was uh, Horvat's got uh, a rotating cast of what was essentially garbage rotating on his wings. I mean, you had Louis Erickson. Um, kind of saddled there and, and just pieces kind of moving up and down the lineup, especially when Besser moved up, moved up with Pedersen. Uh, so Pearson gave a, a ton of, of value as, as someone who, I mean, that Horvat line was used, used in a matchup role. Uh, Pearson, obviously someone who um, he's, he's a veteran presence. You could trust in that sort of two way high leverage minutes capacity um, added valuable secondary scoring. I think he scored at like a, 20 plus goal around 50 point pace since he's came since he's come over uh from uh from pittsburgh so uh really i think pearson's sort of been been a unanimous uh he's been regarded as unanimous win for jim benning and um i honestly haven't seen like from from a lot of fans perspective the team isn't exactly deep on the left wing so um he's almost seen as sort of uh, like a lock heading into next year okay we, we've dealt with a lot of the uh, here in Buffalo, too, with the issues with garbage on your second line. So we can definitely relate for sure. I just think there's – it's not even so much that there's, like, there's like garbage on the second line. Well, I guess you could you, – in terms you could put it that way. But, like, we're just trying to stuff third liners into yeah. our second line. Yeah. That's the problem. We're forcing – funnel guy, it feels like we forced a lot of bottom six guys to play outside themselves. And, and at a point, it's not fair to them because – Look at a guy like Cahoon. He has upside, yeah. I don't think he's at a ceiling, but I don't think on a contending team he's anywhere near your top six, right? But does that mean he doesn't have value? No, I think he absolutely does have value. And unfairly or not, there's been a lot of guys that have came through Buffalo. Another guy, Tage Thompson. I don't think he's a top six guy at all. I think that he's another guy that's nowhere close to his ceiling. But unfairly or not, he's 
he was thrust into some top six situations and he wasn't there, right? Uh, but does that mean yeah. that he can't contribute down the line for us? No. I think on our – looking at the Sabres, guys, uh, who are your bonafide top six forwards right now? I think you look at Eichel, no, no doubt, Reinhardt, Olofsson, right? There's three. Skinner, I mean, even at this point, you're paying him to be one, so – I think you have to have him there, right? You don't have a choice. So, guys, who are who are, who are your others? I think Johansson is 100% a third-line center on a contending team. Third. Third. He's right. third. So, I have, there's four four top six guys right now. Who are your other two? We don't have a two. We don't. Have a two we don't. So, we don't have Brock Besser makes a ton of Hopefully sense Brock there. Hopefully Brock Besser. Hey, but even yeah, look at, Brock, like, Brock um, what, what Vancouver did to get a guy like JT Miller. He fits in well there, right? Or a guy like Toffoli. And I'm not saying that, you know, we could get them because we can't, uh, maybe Besser. But, like, that to me is a huge gaping hole because there's only so many plug-and-play players that we have in Rochester. And Dylan Cousins, I think, is at least a couple years from being a top-six contributor. If we force him into that role like we did with Middlestat too early, what damage can be done? It's hard to say. I don't want to take that chance. I don't either. I think we've seen the, what, what could you know, negatively happen with a guy like Middlestat where we can't even say now what damage was done to his psyche, to his confidence. You know, it could have went differently. I don't know. Um, I think he falls a lot in like the same way that you were talking about, like Tage Thompson. Not so much Calhoun because he came over at the deadline, but like these guys, I don't know what their ceiling is. I really don't know what their floor is. And it's going to be a bitch of a time to figure it out when you're on, like, the worst team in all of hockey. You know what I mean? We're not making it Confidence easy. Confidence goes a long way. When you're winning, you're playing, you're playing, uh, I don't want to say loose, but you're not gripping that stick tight. I feel like Buffalo has had this perpetual, you know, we have to turn this around right now. And when you have that mentality, we've all been in locker rooms, guys, that that's not fun. That's you're not you're playing your best hockey when you're having fun. You're playing loose, right? And yep. you're still competitive. These guys are all competitive. And I think that we took O'Reilly as somebody that was, you know, finally speaking the truth. It was a really interesting read hearing what his father said uh, about that he didn't want to leave Buffalo. And I don't want to dig too deep into that, but you, you guys want to win, right? And when you're winning, yeah. everything seems all the problems seem a little less important, and everything seems a lot more fun, right? What do you and, got? What do you got for us, HD? No, I was going to say the, the good news as far as um, – because when I, before this kind of show, looked at Buffalo's roster, that was the, the, the main thing that stood out to me was you need uh, two more top six guys. And I think when you look at what the flat cap is going to do, it's going to force teams like Toronto, teams like uh, Tampa Bay, to have to move some of these luxury wingers, guys like Andre Platt or uh, Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord. Toronto. Um, Kasperi Kapanen or an Andreas Janssen. So I think there's going to be an opportunity because of the flat, flat cap where you can acquire a couple of top six wingers uh, for pennies on the dollar. And I think that really benefits a team like Buffalo uh, that has that, that cap space. And um, obviously they have, uh, they, they have some future assets that, that, and, and blue line help that they can uh, deal from. Now, yeah. with, with, now, Obviously, you have an expansion draft coming on the horizon, too, um, you know, dealing with a flat cap. Because obviously, sometimes when you bring in guys and sign guys, you always kind of prepare for just the – just assuming that that cap will go up a couple million dollars or however much it goes up. With it staying flat and with, a, uh, you know, a, uh, an expansion draft on the horizon, how do you see teams like, say, Buffalo or Vancouver or any team really honestly preparing for that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of them are looking uh, sort of a year ahead, and I think they're going to have to take a different approach than they did um, <laughs> with, with the Vegas draft. I mean, these general managers got absolutely roasted. I mean, you look yeah. at uh, what the Golden Knights were able to do. I mean, I look back at some of these deals. They, they got a second-round pick to take on Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, what, about the, the Florida? what about the Florida deal? Florida. That was me. Marshall. Marshall so and Riley Smith. Smith. Right. And and Which is for, insane. What, for keeping Mark Pissick? Like and, <laughs> hey, uh, hey, you know what's funny about that? How they used Pissick as a forward last year. He scored a yeah. Hattie. He scored a Hattie. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, even even Columbus, they uh to keep Josh Anderson, they gave up William Carlson in, in a first round pick, although at least they got rid of the Clarkson contract. But I mean But still, you was, don't know that Josh Anderson is gonna get hurt, but even still, man. Like he, wow, well put. I, I didn't even remember the Columbus one. Yeah. yeah. So I think what you're going to see is a lot of these teams, when they look at this, look at this expansion draft, they're going to say, well, let's not try and play 40 chess here and, and scramble to try and keep certain guys. I think, I, I think they're going to say, look, we'll, we'll be a lot more sort of conservative and either sort of just accepting the fact that you're going to have to let uh, a decent player go sort of like what Nashville did with James Neal uh, or, yeah. You're going to, or you're, or you're just going to trade the player if you can before to, to get any semblance of a return, kind of like what uh, I think it was Minnesota traded Marco Scandella, sort of in that vein. Um, but I don't think you're going to see teams try and, and make deals with Seattle because clearly that didn't work out uh, work out for them with uh, with Vegas. No, I think seriously though, the Vegas deals were like comically bad like that well like, like like you said it wasn't even just like oh they they, they please with that one it was literally like the gms stepped on their own foot like in basically most of the deals so yeah it'll be very interesting to see how hesitant those uh management groups are this time around again especially with the flat cap it's just like now you now you have to make moves you know to to, dump, to try and dump more salary that you you know you probably wouldn't have before, uh, wouldn't have wanted to do before yeah, and and I think it's, I think it's particularly interesting for a team like, um, you know, teams like Vancouver and Buffalo, who, um, aside from the obvious candidates, they don't exactly have a lot of uh, talent to try and protect because now they've got extra uh, protection slots. Or again, if a team has an extra defenseman that they've um, sort of that they know is probably going to get taken, like say a, a fourth defenseman. <clears throat> they shop them a team like Vancouver can sort of try and swoop in and, and knowing that they have an extra protection s- slot try and get them for pennies on the dollar same sort of thing with uh, uh with an extra top six forward and, and how Buffalo could try and take take advantage of that so uh I, I think I mean in the last expansion draft uh, uh what was it the Canucks lost Lucas Spisa who was awful for them um and even now uh, because Hughes is um exempt They've got nothing on the back end that they really need to protect. And uh, I imagine aside from, again, the obvious candidates, um, the Eichels, the Reinhardts, um, the Olofsons, that you don't really have a whole lot of talent to protect. So that's perhaps an opportunity uh, for the Sabres to take advantage of. Yeah, there's no guarantee Reinhardt's going to be here either, honestly. I really hope that one gets done. I'm a big Sam Reinhardt guy, and I was very hard on him early in his career. Uh, but I think that he's somebody, guys, it impressed me so much his ability to play in the dirty areas in front of the net. 
And I think that unfairly or not, we have him glued next to Jack. I would love to see, I think Jack, no matter who he's with, is going to make anybody around him better. I think it'd be interesting to see if we're able to get somebody, you know, to play next to Jack besides Sam, what Sam could do for that second line, you know, I'm not saying it's going to work, but could he make us that much better? I think he could. What's, let me ask you guys this. What's a fair number that we feel comfortable giving, giving Sam? Let's just say on, on, on uh, that's tough to say if he's going, if you're looking for a long term, let's just say six, five to six years. What do you guys feel comfortable giving him? 6.5. Which you're six. not going to get away with. No, it's never going to happen, but that's what I like personally. Yeah, I mean, you're basically, you're basically either keeping Eichel's best friend and overpaying for him or you're letting him go. And pissing Eichel off more. I yep. think I'd give him 7.5 <laughs> at the highest. I can uh, get behind 7.5, but it's not going to happen. You think it's going to be Reinhardt? Fuck, bud. Is, is Reinhardt, yeah, yeah. is, is he not happy in, in, in Buffalo? Because obviously I think if you want to turn this around, obviously, um, I mean, 24 years old, you, you want to keep the guy, right? So I well, think yeah, it's he's a, happy, I, but I, I think that he's looking to cash in. Because in his last deal, what was it, a little bit? of a bridge contract. Deal? Yeah. He got a bridge deal. Sorry, looking back on that, we, we should have signed him. I think we should have we, we could have gotten him cheaper two years ago, no? Agreed. That's what we should have done is we should have given him that seven-year deal two years ago. Instead, we fucked it up with a – Yeah, we fucked it up with a bridge deal, and now he's looking at, like you said, seven to eight million a year over seven years. So we shot ourselves in the foot. The thing is, though – Hey, Jeff Skinner, too, that money right there, take a million or two off of – if Skinner doesn't put up 50 or 40, whatever he did, you know, maybe he's getting – honestly, guys, what what, what drives me wild – and, HD, maybe you have a better understanding of this – but when we go down to arbitration and what these guys are talking about, the difference that five to seven goals can make in a contract year, we're talking a million, two million dollars, guys. Yeah. And like, how many of those are empty netters, right? Like, you think about what goes into this, it's absolutely fucking blows my mind how much, you know, seven goals gets you an extra, what is uh, a million and a half over eight years, right? Like, that's $10 million for seven goals. Yeah. Yeah. And but I look at Reinhardt's numbers. I mean, sort of the fact that he has been on a team like Buffalo and, and maybe, I mean, he's been sort of in that 60, 65 point uh, like range if you prorate it over 82 games over the last couple of years. That shouldn't break the bank, I don't think, because um, most of these contracts are obviously done um, based on statistical comps where the agent and the GM will, will try and pull up a, a list of. Uh, uh, you know, players who have scored at a similar rate at, at similar ages and, and sort of based off the percentage of cap hit, uh, try and sign accordingly. So when I look at Reinhardt's profile, uh, really good player, but I, I don't think he should break the bank. Like, uh, I mean, you look at, for example. What do you think? Like, what's your number? What, like, if you were going to look at that from a, just a number yeah. standpoint. I mean, it's tough. It, it's tough to say right off the bat as far as, like, without having a list of comps in front of me. But, I, I mean, I look at Brock Besser, for example, um, he signed just, a, and again, this was a bridge, but he signed at just under, uh, at just under six on a bridge deal. So I think something like six and a half, seven, sort of in that seven range, isn't that was my thought. Maybe that was um, my thought. That was my number. Obviously, you're Remember? buying out like Reinhardt's uh, a year or two older, so you're maybe buying out some UFA years. So maybe that jacks up the price a little bit. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I mean, maybe 
again, like no comps in front of me, but 7 million. I, I don't think that he should be someone that um, is going to be in sort of uh, the eight, eight and a half, nine million range. No. I'd feel he doesn't command about, that kind Even of if money. we could get him at three, four years, guys, at, at under seven, I would love that. He's not. He's not going to sign a three or four year deal again. He wants long term. He wants something long term. Yeah, he's never going to go for short. But but that's the thing. That's why he took the bridge deal because he was betting on himself to get the big contract. And that's why I think he wants no less than eight. That's just my oh opinion. My I think God. he's sold on himself. I'd let him walk for eight. I know. So you know how frustrating is it now we look back at you know we talk about the indecision when it came to you know making the correct trades and I know that nobody's going to bat a thousand when it comes to trades but when you look at even keeping players in-house how some of these deals or lack thereof of the willingness to sign a deal like it, 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 I'd feel a lot better right now have we even if we signed Sam for you know what was he asking for back then it wasn't that much I think it was six and a half seven like I think that if we could have locked him up at the time that makes me feel a hell of a lot better, you know, than going into it right now. Because what are, what are the – you know, I know you said that HDD you couldn't pull up the statistical comps, but who, who is your Reinhardt in, in Vancouver? Is it a Brock Besser or is it a Tyler Foley? Like, going forward, who do you, who do you look at? Who's that guy? Is it a JT Miller? Probably, probably like kind of like a Bo Horvat. Like, you're kind of someone who – um, on on a championship caliber team, obviously positional difference with with Horvat being being the center, but kind of this um, sort of sixty ish point uh, guy who in in an ideal world would sort of be driving your second line. Um, so that's kind of um, where I'd find him. Obviously, that situation differs because Vancouver they were in the same situation as Reinhardt and instead just gave Horvat a, a long term deal instead of bridging him like they did like Buffalo did with Reinhardt. Um, but it's I'd say maybe off, no? that. It, it has exactly. It's given them now a window window of opportunity where he's pretty significantly outperforming his contract. Love that. Well, you know what? I'm happy for you guys. At least somebody here's having opti- optimism, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, Although <clears throat> with with the whole cap situation, and I mean, there there are. I mean, still the, the team hasn't technically made the playoffs yet, um, and it's uh, been what four years so even even though things do seem a lot more optimistic the uh, i mean it's only going to take a, a, a small a, a small tip uh, a, a small issue here or there for for the whole kind of dam to break and, and for uh, canucks twitter to go wild again so uh, would you be happy now, but. i was going to ask like and then again just because we're on the outside looking in but like say this year vancouver won the stanley cup just saying how would you feel with the way that everything has gone down in the world and in the NHL? I mean, the cup's a cup for, for, for fans, right? Like, okay. I don't think, um, unless, unless the other team was missing like six or seven guys and there was a massive, um, asterisks, uh, asterisks. I can't even pronounce that word uh, next to, <laughs> next to the cup. I mean, look at, uh, look at Chicago when they won it. And uh, what was it, 2013 season. or lockout short year? And everyone said, oh, um, it's not going to mean as much. But no one ever brings it up again. Yeah, right? nobody brings so, it up. I forgot about so that. So unless, unless there are a bunch of guys that are out of the competition because of the virus, and that gives a team like Vancouver the opportunity, and, and that, that's what drives their cup win, um, I, I think a cup's the cup at the end of the day. There we go. Love it. Love they the ask, I love that. I love that way of thought. how many? COVID yeah. cup. 
Oh, Dwayne, Dwayne's coming in hot with a little fucking stirring the pot here, you little son of a bitch. I, I'm just quoting the funnel guy. I mean, that's not me. That's him. Oh, okay. COVID cup, baby. Oh, it is cup. kind of the COVID cup. I mean, when someone win, when they win it, inevitably, if they do do this, if they do do this season, do do, they're they're not going to be handing it to each other, right? Oh, that's such yo, a good yo, point. That is Guys, a good what question. about the handshake line? Right? Like, no, wow, no handshake line. Us. No handshake line. Zero know, percent chance. Like, that is something that's so sick. I didn't even think of so that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. COVID cup, man. Wow. Hey, wait. Elbow bumps? Elbow bumps? Elbows here? Are we doing fist bumps? Like, what happens here? Are they wearing masks in the handshake line? Not trying to be funny here, but like, seriously, this is something that is sacred to the game. There has to be some kind of semblance of, hey, congrats. Hey, good luck. Hey, I hate you. Hey, you know what I mean? What's going on? I feel like the losing team needs that closure, and the winning team has earned that right. Both teams are going to line up on the uh, blue lines and just keep dabbing. Just dabbing. <laughs> that is incredible, Maniac. I'm your biggest fan. Welcome to 2020. The, the, ha- hashtag <laughs> the, the new normal. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Speaking of the new yeah, normal, I, I'm getting credit for my hair over here. Meanwhile, Harmon, look at his hair. The guy must use grade A product. You look no. good, HD. But no, don't yeah, don't deflect that, buddy. You look good. Absolute man rocket. Absolute man rocket over there. Harmon, <laughs> are you interning at NASA? Because you are a man rocket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was awful. I'm sorry, boys. I'll see myself out. But uh, uh, hey, wait, really quick before we sign off. If anybody has it, please check out some of Harmon's work. One of my favorites, Harmon, is the by the numbers, the the puck moving defenseman. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about what was it like to to do a piece like that? Because guys, if you haven't already subscribed to the Athletic, please go and do so. It's the best money I've ever spent. Um, you know, outside of you know buying my daughter's hockey stuff. Um, but no, Harmon, this is a great piece, guys. I don't know if you've had all the, the chance to look at it, but some really eye grabbing stuff. Even if you're not a big analytics guy, Harmon, you do a great job of breaking it down. Uh, the one question I had is the, the Schneider. 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 Okay, that's just a weird way of spelling Schneider. Yeah, I, I butchered it the first time I said it too. Um, but just, you know, guys, I don't know how much you guys have, have looked into it, but really phenomenal piece. Um, I, I've been getting, you know, more familiar with your work since Dwayne said you've been coming on. And, you know, I've read your stuff before, uh, but what a piece this is. And, and, you know, take me through that. What, what was it like, you know, breaking down something like this? Yeah, so, I mean, we all know one of the most important skills um, in the modern NHL is you got to get the puck out of your zone and, and you want to do it with possession. So, I mean, I mean, we always talk about who are, who are the, the league's best puck-moving defensemen. And uh, for me, the question has always been, well, I'd love to actually be able to, like, point to facts and, like, actually quantify it. Because a lot of times, I mean, you see the same thing with defensive defensemen. Um, it's when you, when you don't have an objective way of measuring a player's actual impact in that department, um, sometimes you, you, because we're using just our eyes, it's tough to label players appropriately. Um, so what I kind of did was Corey Schneider, he sort of tracked league-wide data, uh, manually on things like zone exits, zone entries. Um, and so what I did was I essentially compiled sort of the last three years and I went through and looked at like, okay, who's able to exit the zone um, most often with possession of puck. And um, it was, first of all, good to see that uh, there wasn't, um, the, the results came back sort of, they were, they were intuitive, right? Like you saw 
likes of Roman Yossi, Eric Carlson. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was there. Sam, Sam no, Gerard. Orloff, Letty, Lenz. Carlson, Gerard. Samuel Gerard, somebody that really stuck out to me. Yeah. I, I, he's kind of under the, you know, under the radar, I guess, to, to most uh, NHL fans because you have Cal McCarr there, right? But, man, this guy is a fun player to watch, very efficient. There's no wasted movements in his game. And, boy, like, this is what I mean. Like, A, I knew Roman Yossi was, was a stud. But this is, is eye-popping stuff. And, really, guys, if you haven't checked it out yet, our listeners, please do because phenomenal read. So, so sorry, you got Gerard. Another guy, Rasmus Anderson. I knew he was yeah. a good player. But, uh, you know, Maniac and, 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 you know, funnel guy, Dwayne, like, if you guys realize that Rasmus Anderson is this efficient of a player? Because I sure didn't. No. Honestly, I didn't realize that until I, you know, you know, read over that, you know, the article in, you know, the, the, the article that we were speaking about. Uh, yeah, I definitely learned a lot from that piece for sure because I just wasn't aware. Like he said about Gerard too, uh, definitely flew under the radar for me. Um, unbelievable work by you, HD. Yeah, HD. Thank another you. thing, too, for you to include that uh, tweet from the Point Hockey guys. It's a comparison between McDavid and Yossi and, and their ability from skating the puck from the D zone to offensive zone. Obviously, there's you know differences between their position, but you look at a guy like McDavid when he gets you know when it goes D to D to center on the breakout or a center wheel, which they actually run more than any other NHL team I've seen. You know, sets. I don't know. Gretzky did it. That was a whole different game. Uh, but you hardly ever see a center being able to pick up the puck, you know, below his own dots and go end to end. So McDavid does have, you know, comparable numbers in that sense. That was a really cool graphic and stat for you to include, HD. Props to you, man. It's a very well-written piece. Thank you. And, and again, this was one where um, I, again, I've always kind of had a soft uh, spot in my heart for Henry Yoki Haru, uh, even going back to his days in, in, in Chicago. And so um, he obviously showed up um, as sort of an honorable mention there too. And, um, so for him, I mean, Dalene too, like he was someone who actually just missed the cut yeah. just because, um, he turned, uh, his sort too of, many, like, like, missed the cut for a little too bit many too turnovers. Many. Yeah. Right? He's just Which, below again, that 50th percentile, right? Again, he's so young, like he's going to get over this. He's 19 years old. So he's absolutely going to be, um, an elite, like top 10 puck mover in the NHL. You have Dalene and, and Yoki Haru. I mean, for the Sabres, that's one hell of of sort of a, a foundation to have on your yeah. back end. Lefty, it's more righty, than a like lot of other teams insane. have on here. So there's a bright spot, listeners. If you're if you're down in the Sabres dumps, you know, besides, you know, tuning in and checking out Crossing Swords podcast, you know, give Harmon's article a, a, a read because two of our, like Dwayne, you said, two of our, our up-and-comers right in there. Yep, and Dalian and Yoki Haru for sure. And uh, um, just, you know, like I said, they got like, the – Obviously, just from listening to this episode, how informed uh, Harmon is, and I can't wait to have you on again, man. This has been a lot of fun. I Thank hope you, guys. Really I know we're, no, I know this we're was a lot of fun. This was <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. Like I've been on a lot of podcasts. This one definitely has like a really like conversational, really, really kind of like um, informal. Like it, it's just fun. It's, it's just we fun. shoot from the hip here. Two goalies, one mic, and three beauties just coming in hot. Yeah. I loved it. I, I really hire him. Like I, I if before the one last question for me, if somebody hasn't been familiar with your work, what is one piece um, that you would encourage them to check out first? I, I, I'd just say the puck moving one because yeah. it's sort of recent. Um, it applies to pretty much it, it applies kind of league wide versus something. I mean, like uh, I, I know if uh, you obviously have a lot of Sabres listeners, so 
um, throwing off to a random, uh, you know, Canucks piece, I mean, it'd be, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, but I, I really enjoyed doing that. Uh, so Nexon's piece. And, um, I think, uh, I think it, I think you'll, you'll, a lot of people will, uh, uh, might, might learn a thing or two. I, I definitely did. I was surprised by I a lot a of ton, the names. Um, I learned a ton through the process. So um, it was a lot of fun for me. And I think uh, there's something in it for a fan of, of any team, to be honest. I love it. Boys, any closing notes from you? But by the way, hey, Maniac Final Guy, I know that you guys have done a ton of stuff with Dwayne. Uh, this has personally been a blast for me. I'm a big fan of both of you guys. And I follow all your work. Um, like Dwayne said, Harmony, can't wait to get you back on again. But the same goes for you two beauticians over there. A couple of Jimmy Butrons, all right? You guys are 90s babies. A couple of Jimmy Butrons, let's go, all right? But no, seriously, I appreciate you guys coming on. This was a blast. Can't wait to do it again. Any closing thoughts from you guys? Any optimism? As far as this goes, it may be the first, but it definitely will not be the last. Yeah, Optimism is in the Sabres' future. Let's, uh, let's, I just want to watch some hockey. Let's watch some hockey, boys. Fuck yeah. Most definitely. Can't wait for hockey to be back. Can't wait to be on 2G1M again. My one my I need a hard hitting question for Harmon though. I did my research before this. I learned that he was during quarantine learning how to type out songs on his phone. Play songs right. on his I phone. Did that once. Okay, yeah. so my guess is I that, that by, yeah. by <laughs> now, by now you've learned other stuff. You've gone on other endeavors. What's your favorite thing that you've done that you wouldn't have done during quarantine? Well, good question. Oh, I'm trying to think. What did I see? I have like the worst recall memory. So like I can barely remember what I had for dinner last night. I'll give you um, a harming. Come on. Come on. <laughs> what Some did I do? Journalism. Um, what did I do during quarantine? Um, I slept a lot. That was, oh, <laughs> that, yeah. that was good. Did you watch um, any shows? Did you watch any shows? Any Netflix? I, I actually don't watch a whole lot of Netflix. I mostly okay. just kind of watch. Um, I'm trying to think back. What did I? I, I watched a lot of. Um, uh, actually, no, I did watch some. I watched The Office. I'm a big Office guy. I finished yep, through baby. it. Um, suits, a little. I, I, I think season two or season three in Suits. Okay. Um, what else did I watch? I, uh, I think those are two main ones. The Office is, is my type of comedy. I got a spinoff question on that for each of you guys, because me and Dwayne did an office episode really early on. And Dwayne, this, your idea had legs, and maybe we did it too soon. So I'll start with you, Funnel Guy. Give me your favorite office character or, and or favorite, favorite office moment. Go. Oh, my God. That is a, that's a heater. My favorite office moment. Can I do, can I do episode or yeah, moment? Absolutely. Hey, and I, HD and, and Maniac, we're coming to you next. So start. Yeah, start I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, my, my favorite episode, which I guess you can say was a moment in, in, in itself, was the, uh, was the dinner party at Michael's house where. Oh, come on. Like, where he yeah. keeps. <laughs> come on. I love it. I think that's my favorite one. I think it's my favorite episode of all time. Just the aw most awkward shit ever. I love it. Hey, oh. so now, Dwayne, we know Office episode 2.0, we know who we're having on, these boys. All right, Harmon, what do you got? I, uh, this one, I crack up to this one every time. So after Stanley had his kind of uh, heart, sort of heart attack or whatever, they brought the mannequin in uh, to do the CPR training. <laughs> and then they cut, and, and then they couldn't do it. They, they just started cutting it up. Staying alive. 
And then when they go into, um, I forget the guy's name, but they go into the CFO's office after because they basically beheaded kind of like the mannequin. Um, and they were explaining why they like sort of, <laughs> they were trying to explain why they just completely dismantled it. And, um, so that's definitely the, the most hilarious office moment for me. That's good. That was hey, a good is that the same, Guys, I'm sorry. Is that the same episode where Dwight cuts off the face? No, that, oh, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. The same moment. Oh, that one. Yeah, that was awesome. I love that. Just, I have that picture in my head of Dwight just draping yeah. the face on his face. I, oh my goodness. I love it. I love it. HD coming in hot with a great answer. Maniac, what do you got for us, babe? I would say, I mean, obviously so many great characters. Are there other characters that play a bigger role, like your Andy Bernards and your Dwight's, but I'll go with Creed Bratton for my favorite character. And then as a, uh, Product of that, my favorite moment is in the episode Murder when Dunder Mifflin is going out of business and Creed Bratton shows up late while they're playing the uh, board game. And he goes, so sorry I'm late, boss. What did I miss? There's been a murder and you're a primary suspect. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, oh, sure. Let me just go settle in. And it does the office cut out of him. just like literally run away. But that's also, just to be clear, that's my GOAT office episode because... The whole office series, you're always thinking about Jim should be in management. In that episode, he's, he's a co-office manager, whatever roles they, they uh, came up with. Uh, and Michael actually does management. So, like, you know, there's only a couple moments throughout the series where you really see Michael do management. Because Jim is like, why are we playing this game? It's so immature. It doesn't make sense. And Michael shows him that they actually needed the game to focus on to distract them from how, like, ridiculous the company situation and that was so. I like when you see it. You also get the standoff scene, the standoff scene at the end of the episode when they're all standing. To that. I mean, those are great. So that's just my favorite for sure. Murder. Uh, for for me, I know uh, Funnel Guy stole my thunder there because that is my all-time favorite episode. <laughs> the plas, the the twelve-inch plasma screen TV that's like on the wall. She if you got to make room, you got to make room. What was her assistant's name? The kid who made the CD again? I can't remember. Oh God. Uh, oh wow! I can't. Yeah, I know. Hunter. Hunter. It was Hunter. Oh yeah, Hunter. 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 It's Hunter. It's Hunter. Hunter. <laughs> and, and and she's like standing up against the Tertius dancing like a jet. Like oh yeah. Oh, you're just really getting into it, and I'm just like. And then Jim and Pam steal the CD and are listening to it at the end. But um, if it's not that moment, I'm also a sentimental guy. I've always been fond of the moment Jim proposed to Pam, and obviously uh, Michael Scott's last hurrah when he when he proposed to um holly uh, those holly. were those were i love those episodes because that you know finally you're always rooting uh for michael to find somebody and then he find and the, you're rooting for that relationship like a lot of people always like to look at you know the, the, the relationships you want in life like Corey and topanga or a jam wow. dude topanga, I'm all hey, for the record topanga was a rocket sorry absolutely it needed, it needed uh, to be said uh, it, uh, yeah, re real hot know. take there coley <laughs> yeah. Super controversial, but, Carl. Good, good but, luck paying but, me back on your zero dollars a year salary, babe. <laughs> but anyway, I always looked at Michael and Holly because oh. they were just the perfect couple, man. They they mesh so well together. And uh, but you know, again, with closing thoughts, um, I before we wrap this up, I definitely want to uh, thank Harmon. Thank you so much for coming on with us, man. This has been an absolute uh, beauty of an episode, and. Uh, um yeah, i hope we can get you on in the future and uh just uh, one thing i want to uh one, one last thing i would like to ask you have you and, and uh, this got me really riled up on my twitter account 
have you seen the Jason Bourne movies? No, I haven't. No. Oh, God. Wait, hey, really quick. Dwayne getting fired up on his Twitter? No, come on. Get out of here. Have any of you guys seen the John Wick and John Wick and Jason Bourne movies? Yeah, hey, Jason Bourne is is one of my favorite. uh, I don't. It's more than a trilogy now, but. I'm a big Jason Moore guy. I was there from the very beginning. Me and my dad, actually, he took me to the first one in theaters, me, him, and my brother. So that's kind of something we all shared. And, uh, you know, wasn't crazy about uh, the spinoff they did, even though I'm a big Jeremy Renner guy. Uh, I think you need Matt Damon in there. But yeah, big, big fan of the show. HD, you got to check that out for me, brother, please. Oh, the, if you like the John Wick movies, you'll love the Jason Bourne movies. But I, I put on Twitter this past week, who went in a fist fight, Jason Bourne or John Wick? And it was almost like – began a little land landslide for John Wick and I wasn't too happy about that. But uh if you haven't seen them then this conversation literally makes no sense. So I'll check yeah. it out, don't worry. <laughs> Absolutely. Classic. Unbelievable trilogy. Actually now there's a fourth there was a fourth installment, the Jason Bourne movie itself. Um but uh also I just wanna, you know, uh plug real quick that we uh, gear did down, launch, cool down? we did launch the uh gear down cooldown today. Our uh our, uh, our challenge to uh, help raise money for uh, civil rights awareness and racial injustice. Um, we had a good first day, um, hoping for over the next couple of weeks that we still get your video submissions in. Harman, I don't know if you uh, got, a, got a peek at that, but we're doing like a video challenge, kind of like the ice bucket challenge, where you gear down out of your equipment and then you cool down in a funny, creative way. And we had uh, my, my initial video itself, uh, with the help from the boys over at Trainwreck Maniac, uh, more specifically. And then uh, we had a couple good video submissions today, uh, most notably Matt Gernold, uh former goalie from Mercyhurst University. Uh, nice. Yeah, that was sweet. Uh, uh, yeah, awesome. I would love for you uh, to check that out, Harmon. It's uh, a good cause. And uh, anybody who wants to get involved, we appreciate it. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we all I think we all want the same thing. Uh, and uh, just to raise money to – help bring about change in society, uh, which is much needed. So uh, just wanted to plug that real quick, and I'll uh, leave it off to you guys. Uh... No, hey, thanks again, fellas, for you guys coming on. I think it's been a blast. HD, really appreciate it. Like Dwayne said, can't wait to have you back on. For all our listeners, um, what's your Twitter handle, HD? Uh, basically just my name and two at the end, so at uh, Harmon Dial 2. H-A-R-M-A-N-D-A-Y-A-L. And you said the number two? Yep. Guys, give him a follow. Check out his stuff. He's been, uh, you know, I just, I can't wait to see, man. You got such a high ceiling when it, when it comes to, you know, what your ability is as a journalist. So somebody as a fellow journalist, somebody I look up to and, and really impressed with your work so far, can't wait to see what you've been turning out, especially as we see the Canucks, you know, get back into, into cup contention. It's going to be fun to, to follow your work with this team because, you know, you kind of came in right when they started to come back to relevancy. So it's like you're growing. You're a part of this group too, you know. So that's going to be fun to see, man. And um, also to our Crossing Swords guys, to our train wreck brothers, you guys are absolutely awesome. Anybody that has it by now that listens to our show, they have to know that who you guys are. Your big reason behind me and Dwayne getting this off the ground and where it is. Can't thank you guys enough for all the support you've given him, myself, and just given, given our area, you know, coverage of, of, you know, stuff. Both awesome followers. So, real quick, Funnel Guy, what's your, what's your Twitter account for anybody that hasn't followed you? Because they're missing out. Um, it's just at, pretty simple, The Funnel Guy. And that's it. Love it. Um, hey, simple, beautiful, effective. 
What a follow. Hey, thanks again for coming on. You're, you're simply – you're just a Jimmy Butron in my books, okay? You bring the heat, and I love it. Fucking right. Glad to be here. Maniac, once again, like, seriously, a big fan of both your guys' work. I love what you do. Been following you guys for a while. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, Dwayne, I think it's a no-brainer that these guys are going to have to be reoccurring guests. We've already had the discussions, man. Uh, the show's better when, uh, obviously, when uh, we have when there's more less uh, variety. More variety. Less cully, more good. Couple different flavors. <laughs> more variety, so, but, hey, Maniac, sure. seriously, appreciate you, man. You're, you're a beauty, and, and you brought the heat today, like always. So, really appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, glad to be here. Looking forward to more, gents. So, with that being said, this has been episode 23 of Two Goalies, One Mike, and Three Beauties. Uh, be sure to check out our sponsors from Better Biscuit and Easy Goal to Mitt's Barbershop. Big thanks to our sponsors. Couple big guests coming up next week. I'll let Dwayne tease you all of that on Twitter. So make sure you give that old boy a follow at Dwayne S39. Did I get it right? Yes, you did, sir. You better get it right. Something. Did it something right. No, guys, seriously, thanks again for coming on. And uh, I think that we planted the seed for an Office 2.0 reboot episode. I think we all we can all agree on that. Fucking right. Yeah. But without further ado, thank you for tuning in. Like I said, this has been episode 23. What a heater of an episode uh, for Dwayne Steinell. For our other guests, I'm Johnny Cullen. We'll be back next week. This is Two Goalies, One Mike. This podcast is brought to you by Mitt's Barbershop. Created and owned by a true friend of the program, Justin Gritsky. Mitt's is a modern-day barbershop that provides a cool atmosphere featuring some of the greatest barbershops Buffalo has to offer. Come in, enjoy a free beer, play some video games, and get the best haircut in the area. When I asked Justin what sets Mitt's apart from the evil chain super-duper cuts that we see at every intersection, his answer says it all. My vision was to create the only true barbershop in Cheektowaga. When customers walked in, I wanted them to get that feeling they got when they strolled into the barbershops of old. The golden era of what a barbershop meant, not just a place to get your hair cut. So if you're looking for the real deal, come on down to Mitts to get the real feel of what a true barbershop is and what it's supposed to be. The clear-cut top dog for all your haircutting needs. Look no further than Mitt's Barbershop. And when you mention that two goalies and one mic sent you in, receive $5 off your haircut that day. Talk about customer service at its finest. Located at 3461 Genesee Street in Cheektowaga, it is located right next door to the 33 Speakeasy Bar and Grill. Their phone number is 868 one four two four and their hours are monday 12 to 6 tuesday wednesday thursday and friday 10 a.m to 7 p.m on saturday they're open from 9 a.m to 4 p.m and closed on sundays because why not everybody deserves a little sunday fun day i want to finish this ad read off by reading a great testimonial from one of mitt's loyal customers Tired of the cookie-cutter salons trying to get your attention? Also tired of those men-focused salons? Then when you leave, you feel like you just visited a Supercuts for Men and the haircut isn't any better? Then Mitts is the place for you. Great cut, very professional, great atmosphere. 
a great place for men to get cut and trimmed up. I'm honestly a little sad I'm only visiting Buffalo because I need something like Mitts back home. You heard it here first. Come on down to Mitts for a great cut and an even better experience. We're happy to have them as a sponsor to the show, and we hope you join us in finding out what makes Mitts just so special. Thanks again to Justin and all the hard work him and his staff do. And without further ado, we'll kick it back to Two Goalies, One Mike. This podcast is brought to you by Better Biscuit. Better Biscuit is a hockey training tool designed to help you develop your game. These fiberglass reinforced pucks are developed to handle less than perfect surfaces, enabling hockey players of all ages to practice their skills in their driveway, basement, or schoolyard, honing their skills whenever and wherever possible. It comes in two different styles. The Better Biscuit Sniper helps players develop forehand, backhand, one-touch, saucer, drop passing, and shooting, ideal for perfecting those toe drags, puck control, and stick handling. The other option is the Better Biscuit Passer. The passer will help you develop softer hands and help you become more accurate with your passes and stick handling. Will also help you improve your puck possession confidence for any skill level. Be sure to check out Better Biscuit at betterbiscuit.net for all your hockey training needs. Thanks again for all your support, and be sure to check out Better Biscuit. Now back to the show. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. <laughs>